Welcome to the Story Form Podcast, where we journey together at the intersection of faith and story. I'm your host, Will Chenault, Soul Care Pastor at Fellowship Bible Church in Jackson, Tennessee. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Let's get this conversation started. Well, welcome to the Story Form Podcast. Uh, today, I have as my guest two individuals who are just spectacular people, Tori Wilkerson and Kathy Simmons. And I've asked Tori and Kathy to come on the podcast because these are two ladies who've been uh, leading story groups here at Fellowship for for many years. And so I thought it'd be great to do an episode where we actually talk about the nature of story work. Kathy, Tori, thanks for joining today. Hi. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah. Um, so let's just begin, guys, with this question. Um, tell me, how long have you guys been leading story groups? I've been doing story groups for seven years. I think I was on the, the flagship program with you, Will. You were. You I'm were. not sure if I got recruited because I really needed story work or you thought I had something to offer, but I think both ended up being being true. Yeah, and I have um, participated for four years. First time taking it, and then the rest of the time helping to facilitate groups. Mm-hmm. And there's still a lot of people that when you say story groups, um, they're not real sure what that means. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that, but we're also going to talk about the you know, the nature of story work, uh, why this work is important, and why Christians should be committed to this type of work within their own spiritual formation and within their own growth. And so for you, you've led these for for many years. What was it that initially drew you to this type of work? You know, I think seven years ago, when you told me about them, I thought I had some traumatic parts of my story that you were aware of and I was aware of. And I thought those are the, the places I really need to dig in and figure out and work on. And it was true. I did want to look into how trauma had affected my story, how it's still affecting my life. Um, But what I've learned in seven years is that it's not just the trauma that has shaped who I am and shaped my story. It's the good parts. It's the hard parts. It's the parts of my story that I wasn't even aware were affecting me. So um, that's been what's real interesting, I think, for me in Story Group is my motivation was to let me dig into the hard parts, but I found there was so much more there that God was using. Mm-hmm. Kathy, how about you? What drew you to this type of work? Well, honestly, at first, I was visiting with you mm-hmm. about some um, just events in my life, mm-hmm. and you invited me. Mm-hmm. And because you invited me, and I respected what you were trying to to help me get through, I wanted to, to participate. Um so I wasn't um, searching. I didn't know I was searching. Mm-hmm. It was such a great experience um, that first time. And uh, yes, it was a little intimidating mm-hmm. uh, to just be transparent and open up. And um, after that, it was so beneficial that it it made me want to get people in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like Tori said, whether it's trauma or good times, our whole life is stories. Mm-hmm. Um, 
our Bible that we depend on is stories, and they they need to be told. Mm-hmm. What was it that surprised you the very first time that you led a group? As you finished the group, they're normally six weeks. What was it that that surprised you as you did it for the very first time? You mean as a participant? As a participant and as a leader. Um, as a participant, what surprised me and, and that particular group, it was, a, I think, a bit of a trial for you right. in that it was men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, loved it mm-hmm. because my experience, I was not sure, uh, quite honestly, how that was going to be mm-hmm. where you share, you know, your heart mm-hmm. in a mixed company. It was absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came away from that feeling really good um, that I had a relationship with some of those men, not deep, but a trusting relationship. Mm-hmm. And then uh, to lead it was awesome because I recruited some of my friends, um, but also perfect strangers. And um, to to be a part of getting them um, ready to tell their story, seeing light bulbs go off, more light bulbs going off for me every time I've participated mm-hmm. in uh, facilitating, mm-hmm. more and more light bulbs go off, mm-hmm. more and more pieces of the puzzle right. come together. Yeah, and so for our listeners that are actually hearing about the nature of this work, but then when they hear about story groups, just to, for those who have no concept what that is, really it's it's a time, it's a six-week experience, um, and there's a teaching component to it. So every week there's a part of helping people understand uh, a certain category of, uh, of, of the nature of story work, of their own story. Um, and, and then after that teaching time, you're breaking off into a group of six or seven people and their facilitators, uh, Tori and Kathy, you guys have been facilitators. You've been leaders of those, uh, smaller story groups. And so it's during that time that we ask people to write out a portion, just a, a shaping event from their life. Uh, just something that, um, they they could say this had a profound impact on me. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, the most serious suffering that they've experienced. Uh, it could be, you know, a, a, a beautiful event of their life. Um, people tend to write about the more painful experiences, and then they're reading that in a in a group, and there's engagement around their own story. And so um, it is a it's a, it's a process that um, is very rewarding, and uh, and yet it also is something that people have to kind of move into that courageous space of saying, "I'm going to actually write out a portion of my story and read this within a group." What has been y'all's experience as you've led that? as people are doing that work, as they're writing portions of their story and reading it within the group, what have you found that dynamic to be like? I think first, it's really interesting that you have to explain, and I was so glad 
it was explained to me that writing is so different than telling your story verbally. Mm-hmm. Um, I can sit down right now and talk to you and tell you something that happened to me, but I read your body language. I read your expressions. I am internalizing he's getting bored with this story. I need to stop this part. I need to move on to the next part. Or this is a, you know, this is hurting them. I can tell. So I need to move on or whatever. Um, When you commit the words to the paper and we talk about in group, read it just as you wrote it. um, That takes away your ability to censor what you write for your audience. And it is authentic and transparent just as you wrote it in that moment. So first, convincing people that there is a process that is important in writing versus you just coming in and telling us your story. Um, And then seeing people get it, like reading it. And I have done it myself when I've read my stories, wanting to say, don't read that part. This part now seems silly or stupid or too deep or I don't want to, but nope, I'm going to I'm going to push on and read it and it matters. And so I think that's been real interesting for me to see people come to that point where they embrace the writing component and then as a group getting to say, "Hey, I saw when you read that part, that you teared up or your body language. I mean, you folded your arms and didn't want to go there. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I told Kathy recently that I love that part of the group because I feel like I'm getting group therapy because somebody has will say to me, Tori, I could tell that was a hard part for you. I didn't even realize it. Mm-hmm. And say, so, oh, you're right. Now I get it because, you know, other people help me walk through that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so important that that part of the the nature of story work. Yes, there is a part of, of of verbally telling your story, but as you said, it can be easy to edit on the fly. Mm-hmm. It could be easy to read a room and say, "I'm going to either pull back on this, or I'm going to maybe move into it more." Um, and so that exercise of actually writing out. And, and it's a shaping event. It's not your entire life story. It's in a shaping event that um, has had significance in your life. And so as you do that and have the others carefully, lovingly uh, engage your story with care and with curiosity, uh, it's, a, it's, a powerful, it's a powerful thing. Kathy, have you seen... Um, resistance to that process just as you've led yes and and i felt like i could share some comfort because there was plenty of resistance Mm -hmm. in my first time Mm -hmm. participating it was internal um i felt um honestly a little angry that i had to dig Mm. um i didn't feel like i was a skilled writer Mm -hmm. and now's the time to say it's not about your writing skill Mm -hmm. um I feel like, you know, the difference too, Tori, like you said, in in speaking it, you are able to read and change your story off the top of your head pretty quickly. Um, There's something about the process of writing, and I'm learning more and more. The more I write, I may start somewhere and then go in what seems like um, unorganized directions. But then you can pull it all together into a sensible writing, 
but in those times where you've gone off track, you're actually in a healing process. Mm-hmm. You're actually um, identifying some more things that you might need to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen resistance, um, but you know, I remember one of my times that I facilitated. I didn't know any of the ladies. I was nervous because I had no foundation. And they have become some of my dearest friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 great yeah. uh, resistance, but success. Right, right, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's where I've seen a real uh, byproduct of that is um, as people have done this work, uh, there is bonds, there's relationship, there's connection that takes place because there's a sense in which I'm I'm being known. And, and others are uh, lovingly caring for this potentially, you know, difficult, tender part of my life. And, uh, and so that's another significant byproduct of doing this type of work uh, are, is the community and the connections that take place. Absolutely. I think that's been real interesting, too, is that as the body of Christ, how we're supposed to operate and knowing parts of people's stories and that intimacy just really allows the body to form in a different way. And, you know, knowing parts of Kathy's story that I know, when I encounter somebody else who might be struggling with the same things, I now have a friend and a resource that I can go to and say, hey, I know you've struggled here. Is there a way that I can minister to this person that you know would be helpful. And so I love that it just is a building block for the for the community and the body of Christ to work with. Mm-hmm. So what have you learned about your own story if you as you've gone through this work as you've led through this work? Um you know what I think so interesting? It kind of goes back to that. I've done this for seven years, and I think it's because I'm a slow learner. <laughs> um, but really, Dan Allender talks about in his book, and I can't, of course, recall it perfectly, but it's an illustration that if you send a dog out into a yard of bones, he will bring a different bone back every time. Hmm. And I may be looking at the same story that I looked at you know, a a forming event in my life. But if I keep going back, God keeps bringing different parts of it to mind. And I just keep growing and growing through it. And it's hard in the beginning of learning your story, learning about your story to figure out what details are important. But I have learned they're all important. Mm -hmm. If God is bringing it to your mind, if it is Listen, if I can remember something 40 years later, it's important. Right. Well, I couldn't remember 40 years ago. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I could remember 30 years ago. Um, if I can remember it, it's important. Mm-hmm. And so I just love that idea that it's all worth going back to. Yeah. And God will curate mm-hmm. what you need to work on. Yeah. And that's what he's done in my stories. Yeah. Which is really that first week that we talk about why even do this work? Um, and and the point is to actually to go back 
in order to move forward. There is a part of our going back in um, not just simply for the sake of camping out or dwelling, but to actually give some language and some categories and some understanding to how did this particular relationship, how did this event, how did this form me uh, to become the person that I am today? And so there is that um, reality that, that John Calvin uh, talks about, the double knowledge, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of self. And, and uh, we typically are, are good at that second part within the church, uh, and and that's important and crucial. It's absolutely central. But people actually giving time to the navigation and the excavation of their own story um, is is something that is vital. And yet, it's something that um, a lot of people have not given themselves to. That, yeah. Kathy, what have you learned about your own story? Well, one thing that that Dan Allender also says is that if we don't tell our stories, our stories will tell us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure I'm like many people. I don't like to be told. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so one of my most recent stories that I wrote was just exploring why I say the things I say, uh, why I may respond a certain way, why I am triggered a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, so wh- what I've learned is there's something I need to label mm-hmm. in my uh, past, really. Um, my training or lack thereof, um, my family of origin environment. Uh, how did that all shape me and... Uh, direct me to, to respond the way I do. And the work is so important because uh, also what I said in my story was how we cope as a child, how we respond, how we uh, overcome, doesn't necessarily work very well in our adult life. Mm. It needs to look differently. Mm-hmm. And um, until you can dig and realize, okay, I've developed this belief or this response system based on this. Mm-hmm. Um, now, how can I move forward in my adult life after I've labeled this yeah. and recognized it? And how do on. I become more healthy? How, to become how, healthy? how do I um, understand the ways my way of relating has been shaped um, sometimes for the negative. For instance, somebody that is so conflict avoidant, you know, someone that has a really hard time um, actually saying this is what I need Uh, or somebody that's maybe overly aggressive in in their way of relating. Uh, They they are all of those things. We we don't become formed uh, in a vacuum. And I love this statement because I think it really is kind of the center of the nature of story work is we cannot be uh, theologically formed until we're relationally formed. Another way of saying it is that we cannot be spiritually healthy until we are emotionally healthy. 
And that tends to be a a foreign concept often within the church at large. When I say the church, the you know global, um, maybe Western church. Um, and, and so it's easy uh, to be within a local church setting and kind of go from Bible study to Bible study. Um, and those are things that we value and we don't ever want to say, we want to say yes, yes, and yes to that. But is there ever an environment where somebody is able to think through their way of relating and how it was formed and how they engage relationally with others and and you know what are the things that have impacted them oftentimes people can go a lifetime within a local church setting and and never give thought to that and maybe not even see that as a value and so what happens is um I'm actually reading a book right now that that is is dealing with this reality. There's a gentleman that um, 20 years ago would do psychological assessments on church planters. And 20 years ago, he would say, um, there are issues here with this particular individual. The title of this book is called Narcissism Comes to the Church. And so it's this idea that how is it that now... 20 years later, we're seeing um, major leaders who have had fallout because of relational issues, because of pride, because of hidden parts of their life, because of a kind of a domineering, bullying style of leadership. Well, the author of this book said 20 years ago, he was doing these assessments and there were red flags and he would bring these red flags to this group and they actually would say, well, those are strengths, you know, somebody who is, you know, determined and somebody who, you know, is a go-getter and a charge the hill and let's go and, 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 you know, create this new thing that doesn't exist. And there's importance to that. And yet what the book makes the point is, um, they're not giving space to understanding how they are relationally formed. And then there's a crisis. Um, you know, someone within a team will say, I, gosh, I constantly butt up against the defensiveness of this person. Or they can't take criticism. Or they always have to be right. They always have to be the brightest person in the room. Well, that's coming from somewhere. And unless we give ourselves to this work of understanding how we're formed, we'll often live blind to those things. It's so true. That's something that I kind of learned in the process of um, digging deep into my stories is that um, things stories that I felt were written and were I had come to terms with um, that had relational ramifications that had that caused me pain for my life. Um, when I went back, one in particular, I went back and really dug um, and it was of a you know a childhood disappointment. but somehow over the years, I had just changed all the details of that story and I'm good. 
guessing in an effort to protect my heart from disappointment. But I had assigned all these things to other people. Well, when I went back and I had to make the choice, am I going to address this person about this? And I thought, it's the fair thing to do. I need to forgive them. Well, when I spoke to them about it, it's not the way it happened. Mm -hmm. It was just not true. What I had believed and considered reality was not the truth of the story. So whatever, my response to disappointment had changed that whole story for my whole life. And had I not gone back, I wouldn't even realize that is how I deal with disappointment. I need to lay blame somewhere else so that it is it has a reason. Mm-hmm. It has a purpose that is not my fault. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why even the things that seem like they are written and over, it's why it's important we go back Mm -hmm. and investigate Mm because sometimes they are not what they seem. Yeah, and just the work of, as a result of giving some thought to this, it prompted you to say, I'm going to go have a conversation that maybe you wouldn't have had that process not prompted that conversation. Mm -hmm. And then there's uh, often redemptive moments in that because you see there is forgiveness. Um, There is a um, reconciliation that takes place. Mm -hmm. And that's also a a big part of story work is it's, it it is a reflection on your story, but then there's a turn that says, what do we do with this? What moves might God have me make as a result of going through this process? And that's the most fun part for me is because you begin to see people say, I'm going to reach out to that family member that I'm estranged from and um, and it's going to be messy and it's not going to be nice and tidy, but I'm going to reach out to them for the purpose of reconciliation and forgiveness. Um, I'm going to begin to open the door at times. I will have people say, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to go fully down the road, but I'm, I at least, as a result of this process, I've at least begun to crack the door a little bit. And that's the cool part is that we've just, this is a spirit-guided opportunity. As you do this work and you have an open heart to, God, what might you be calling me to do as a result of some of the things that I've journeyed through? And I... I don't know about you guys. You share with me because I've had those experiences. Have you guys as leaders had that experience where someone in your group took a pretty big risk to see redemption happen, to see reconciliation happen within their story? Let me think for just a minute. I think... There probably are stories of reconciliation. There are stories of reconciliation. What I have seen so much of, people want to protect the people in their stories, even if it's painful. Mm-hmm. We don't want to say, we don't want to tell things that hurt other people or put other people in a in a bad light. That's a great point. Um, and we have created spaces in story groups that say that says. We are not here to disparage the person who hurt you, but we are here to provide a place for healing and freedom from it. Mm-hmm. And I love that these groups, and, and I think about our most recent group with somebody who share, shared a story about their father, mm-hmm. and it wasn't nobody in that group judged 
the father, we all felt compassion and for that person too. Um, and so that's what I love, the stories of redemption that are prefaced by a person willing to step out in such courage and say, I am going to tell this story and still love the person in the story. Yes. Yes. We talk about that of both honoring and honesty. Um, and there is an honoring of, of the relationship and the person, but sometimes people aren't willing to name the the honesty. They're not willing to say there there was damage done in this relationship. And I am going to express that. Uh, and yet I'm going to do that with the lens and the view of um, restoration. And... Um, and and that's often the fun work uh, of story work. There's that part of it, but then there's a there's a, a a part that as people go through, they're able to learn about what they're passionate about. That's part of story work too. Well, it is, and and directions can change mm-hmm. when you know I've had um, people who have told stories about people that are no longer living, mm-hmm. um, and. So you can't go back and reconcile. You can't go back and say, thank you for being that person for me. Um, so sometimes it can bring up a, a little regret that I probably never let them know how valuable they were in my life. But I've seen it transform the you know where this person is going. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes that looks like parenting skills mm-hmm. um it, i've seen parenting skills change yes based on telling the stories of the past and how um i need i know what that did for me and i need to incorporate that in my parenting mm-hmm. and see if it doesn't provide um filling my children's emotional tanks mm-hmm. like like my grandmother did yes um so um that's a very you know, positive thing that I've been able to notice um, from stories of Shalom. Mm-hmm, exactly. And um, just copying that. Right. Yeah. yeah, for our listeners, one of the weeks we talk about the stories of Shalom. When were there times that you experienced goodness and peace and wholeness and rightness within the world? Who were the who are the people and what were the places of Shalom? And Kathy, as you're saying, often people will say, my grandmother... My grandfather um, was a an oasis in the midst of difficulty and chaos. And so there is something of, I want to be that. I want to be that for others. I want to be that for my kids. And it reinforces, it reinforces the goodness uh, that, that God brings within relationship. And so um, it's not just simply let's focus on all the bad things that happened in your life. Uh, that's not the point of story work. Yes, that may that that's a a portion of it, but we're also shaped by those people who are our greatest cheerleaders. They yes, and even those people that caused great harm. Mm-hmm. There's something about putting it on paper and being able to share it, and being encouraged by the people there that you actually, for me personally, I was able to then see some good things in that person's life um do i wish some of the things that were harmful do i wish they were different yes but there were things that that they did that were good Mm -hmm. there's an honoring Mm -hmm. 
There is an honoring in the midst of the honesty. Mm -hmm. And so one of the weeks as we talk about family of origin and how our family of origin has shaped us, uh, often those are the landmines uh, that maybe for the first time people are saying, this did impact me in significant ways. This did bring about damage or this was uh, incredibly life-giving to me as this person uh, attuned to me, um, you know, connected with me in this particular way. All of this is under the umbrella of the importance of the nature of story work. And, and as I was saying, one of the components as people go through this process and do this work is actually naming uh, the things that they are most passionate about, the, the, their calling within life. You know, that these are the things that I'm going to say no to as a result of my story. I am not going to repeat these type of things. And these are the things that I'm going to say yes to. These are the things that God's put in my heart as a result of reading my story. And so people will say, there's a reason that I am for the underdog. You know, there's a reason that I value uh, authenticity and transparency. Well, that has been shaped um, by our stories. And so that's another fun part is that people will begin to say, I think this may be my contribution to the kingdom of God as a result of reading my story well. Have you guys had experiences with that just personally that it's given greater clarity to you about the things that you're most passionate about? Oh, yeah. For me. Um, Speak about that. Um, well, I a theme from 30,000 feet looking down, a theme of my life um, – from my perspective, and I think my reality, is I lived with some very dominating people um, that the world kind of revolved around around them. Um, it with, that was in, within my home, and um, then outside. Unfortunately, I um, maybe I was drawn to people that were powerful mm-hmm. with their personality and their demands. So, um, I think that I have found a profession, or the profession found me, um, that there's probably not, there's certainly not a week that goes by that I am not a fighter. Mm -hmm. I am fighting powerful people Mm -hmm. for the underdogs, Mm -hmm. at least weekly, sometimes daily, and, um... I love I love being able to do that. Sometimes I think, oh, I wish I could have a day without a fight. Mm-hmm. And by fight, I mean um, sometimes having to confront that there, these people's needs are being overlooked. Right. I want to give voice to those mm-hmm. who maybe don't have a voice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and knowing Kathy over the years, hearing portions of your story, you would see the congruency of that. Of yeah. there was something early on that said. Um, this is going to be my yes. Mm-hmm. And my yes is I'm going to give voices to those who, who may not have the voice. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and so we see people that, that kind of catch their calling in some way. And that may be different than their paid vocation. 
Right. You know, there may be somebody that says, well, this is what I do vocationally, um, but this is really what I feel called to do. And honestly, it is my profession, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's much more than that. Mm -hmm. Um, If I worked with a a youth group Mm -hmm. volunteering at church, I'm going to look for the underdog Mm -hmm. every time Mm -hmm. and make sure that they are a part of the group and that they're not being excluded. So yeah, it's definitely Mm -hmm. a motivating factor. Yeah, and it's also the part of saying there is the... There's the part that you are, um, you know, uh, stepping on the neck of evil. Paul uses that that term at the end of Romans. Um, you know, there that there, there is this part that we um, uh, step on the neck of the enemy. Yes, and I I have to interject here. Mm-hmm. There's room for me to learn still through that mm-hmm. because. With some of the fa- um, the pain or the harm in the past, I may want to come out like a tiger, yeah, which is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. So that's where um, I'm still in the learning process right. the of how I respond yeah. and how um, what is the more appropriate mm-hmm. and more successful. If this is where I want to get, mm-hmm. then I have to learn how to get there. <laughs> Without um, yeah. parting people's hair, yeah, yeah, with and, my speech. and 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 being giving reflection to that to mm-hmm. say, okay, this is this is where this is coming from, mm-hmm. and yet there's also a maturing, there's also a growing that we're constantly until the day we die, we're constantly being refined in those ways, and so as you do that work, you're able to say, well, there's a reason, there's a reason I'm for the underdog, there's a reason that this is something that I feel deeply called and passionate four and two. Tori, how about you? As you've done this work and done the work of your own story, what would you say are the things that are as a result that these are the things that I'm passionate about? Yeah. I've learned, excuse me, um, and Will, you know this story because the story started before story group since probably why you were like, you need to get into a story group, Tori. (laughs) Um, because Will helped me kind of identify there was something in me. I loved growing up in a small town. I loved being known. Like, well, I'd say I love being known. I was probably known for wrong reasons. <laughs> um, and that's a way I had idealized that. I just I just love the connectedness of people. And so even as an adult and idealizing this, this thing in me, like, I want to go home. I want to go to a place where... I want to be in Mayberry. That just sounds great. You know, it doesn't exist, but I was determined to find it. And the Lord just kept closing that door. And I was like, what is this in me for? Why Why does it seem so, why does it draw my heart to want to be in community with people? And that's really ultimately what I learned through my story and my heart's desire was that you want to be known by people and you want to know people. I've always been interested in people's stories, how they end up where they are, what got you there and where are you going? And um, so that is what the Lord keeps bringing up is that your purpose is to know people and I have I model that in my life. I don't mind telling you my stuff if it helps you in some way as much as it is helpful. I can be honest. Um I don't I really don't even know yet what the ultimate goal is, what God has in mind for me, but I do know that 
he has put this in my heart that somehow my purpose is to create community mm-hmm. for people. And I think it is for um, kind of like you, Kathy, people who don't have it and don't understand it and don't know it. And the more that I live this way of being open and honest and transparent, I'm convinced that the majority of people don't understand true community. Yeah, absolutely. And I would echo that, Tori, knowing that those portions of your story that God placed something in your heart early on that said, um, this is this is what I want to give my life to. And whether as a younger years you knew that or not, there was something that he placed in there that you're now seeing uh, giving work to. Um, I mean, I think about you know, the very reason that you guys purchased your home and property and the vision behind that was kind of this oasis where people can come and they can rest and they can, and, and there, there's an openness. We're going to open our, our home, our resources, um, to, to where hospitality, you know, in the best sense come hospitality's not, um, well, let's just make sure all the Martha Stewart, you know, the place right. settings that may be part of it, but hospitality is come and rest and be who you are mm-hmm. and experience community in this way. And I think that God has placed that in you. And I think that's one of the ways that I've seen, uh, for the both of you that you're saying we are going to, uh, put our foot on the neck of evil, uh, is saying we're going to create, uh, you know, be for the underdog and fight for them and help them to be known and seen, which is an important part of bringing our our passions into the kingdom of God. We're going to create environments where people are known and seen and there's openness and hospitality. And you wouldn't have maybe put those things together had you not gone through that process mm-hmm. of understanding your own story. True. And it's really... Not that you do it for this reason, mm-hmm. but these people. And I've been to Tori's home, and mm-hmm. it's it is warm and it's um, inviting. Mm-hmm. Um, but us wanting to undergird them mm-hmm. um, with purpose mm-hmm. is a part of their story, right? That's a part of your mm-hmm. leadership. You know, as you lead story groups, you're able to confirm you're able to see you're able to bless um maybe even see things that they don't see to confirm you know as a result of hearing your story i I see that that this is the way you give yourself uh the best of yourself uh to bless others uh to be other centered to pour out what god's put in you for the benefit of others and that's all of that so when people say what is story work? Well, it's it encompasses a lot of things. There's a there is a process of understanding how the past has shaped you, understanding the nature of your family of origin, uh, understanding both the goodness of God, those moments of shalom. You're navigating through your shalom shattered. You're seeing how did how did my suffering impact me, and and primarily how did it move into the way I engage my world and the way I relate to others. And then there's a move of saying, what do I do with this? How, how might I seek shalom 
partially. It's not going to be full until the return of Christ. But how might I bring shalom into my world now? And that may be reconciliation with relationships with family members that bringing shalom is saying i'm going to bring these things as we talked about into my world to bless others and then there's a remembrance part they're saying there are these story stones as we look in the old testament and joshua uh, god commands joshua take these these stones as stones of remembrance so that when your children say what are these stones you can go this is where God did this. God did this and he redeemed this situation and he brought me out of this and he delivered me and he he brought his goodness in. All of that is the umbrella of the nature of story work. So as we close, Tori, Kathy, um, how would you, there's somebody that may be listening to this and saying, gosh, I've heard about story groups but I'm a little resistant because um, it's going to require something of me to kind of engage at maybe a level that other things wouldn't. How would you encourage them to say, take the step to engage this process? I think, I think one of my first responses to you inviting me was, Will, <laughs> um, I'll trust you mm-hmm. <laughs> that this is good for me. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I went in really with no expectations, but just a, a bit of an open mind. Um, and boy, you know, it opened up some really great things. Um, a person currently uh, taking their um, way of describing their participation this time is I'm kind of auditing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, they don't have the mm-hmm. capacity yet due to various reasons right. that are none of my business mm-hmm. to to do more than just take in the information. Right. And so I would say, you know, there's not a rule or a step one, two, three for you to participate I would just encourage them to come in with an open mind and trust the process mm-hmm. uh, of the people that have done the research and the hard work, uh, telling us this is very good and this is very beneficial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we say at my house a lot, if it was easy, everybody would do it. <laughs> <laughs> so true. It's true. Sometimes hard things are just necessary. But in the most simple explanation, when you walk into story group, the expectation of you is to write one story. That's it. Mm -hmm. Over six weeks, you write one story, and you get to choose how deep you write that story or or what memory you choose, whatever. Um, If your desire is to understand how God made you and what He made you for, which I think as Christians— we should all be interested in that, then this is a good place to start. And I think for a lot of people who are also searching, what is my purpose? What do I do with the gifts God has given me? What do I do with the pain God has given me? This is a great place to figure that out. And as you were talking earlier, it made me think something I do now, even unconsciously, often consciously, when I see people going through things, I realize like, Tori, you can be a part of their story right here. Mm -hmm. And there is a painful story being written for this person, but 
just like we share in our story groups of the people of Shalom and the places of Shalom, you can be their Shalom in this story. So I have opportunities all the time. It's a text or a phone call or a visit. It, it's simple stuff, but it is ways that because of story group, God has equipped me to just enter into people's stories with them. So if if you are looking for purpose in your in your life, figure out your story. Figure out why God wrote that story because he's still writing it. Mm-hmm. And you you have the opportunity to be active in it, not just be a bystander watching and letting your story be written. You are hand in hand with God, mm-hmm. following him. And so I just I think it's good for every single person because mm-hmm. we all have a story. Mm-hmm. And I think I would have to just add, Mm -hmm. very much agree with what Tori said. Again, (laughs) if we don't tell our stories, our stories will tell us. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yes, we want to encourage people to um, find out. Mm -hmm. So why was that particular time, that shaping moment, how how am I supposed to be um, using it today, and uh, it's a cliche, but God doesn't waste opportunities. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh, the hard, the hard, the unfairness, all those things, He's going to use for us mm-hmm. to to participate in His kingdom. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, yeah, and I, and I think that very much summarizes. Um, both the vision of this type of work uh, and also the necessity of this work um, within the body of Christ, within Fellowship Bible Church. And um, the fun part of knowing initially, I think for for a vast majority of people, uh, they're going to enter in with some resistance. And Kathy, as you said, there may be some person that just says, I'm auditing. I, I, I'm just simply engaging the the concepts that's okay it's it's your process it's your journey um and uh but the fun part that i've got to experience over the years is as people begin on the front end with the resistance and they end after six weeks with saying this profoundly impacted me um this was life-altering in many ways and um, and so I'm always thinking, how do we get more people engaged in this type of work? Knowing that, all you can do is set the table and uh, invite, and you can't, you know, force people to eat. Um, but I think as as people more and more uh, experience the benefit. Uh, the many that have gone through story group over these years would look back and say it was it was shaping and foundational and uh, incredibly impactful and um, you both have been a huge huge part of the leadership of that work and uh, I so appreciate both of you and so appreciate seeing how God has used your life and your leadership uh, to bring this work here at Fellowship Bible Church. Thank you guys for joining me today. It was a great conversation. Thanks, Will. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us today on the Story Form Podcast. For more information about Fellowship Bible Church in Jackson, you can visit us at fellowshipjackson.com. 
Join us next time as we enter into the story of others together.